Morning, everyone. Isn't that an amazing story? Jesus is so good. Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You rule and reign over the heavens and the earth. Our hearts are safe in you. We praise you, Jesus. I thank you, God, that you touch and you change lives. Just as Jesus Christ was walking around all those years ago, encountering people and delivering them and setting them free, so you're doing the same today. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all those people said, Amen. Amen. Don't you love hearing stories like that? Because Jesus is so good. And what he's done for one, he'll do for another. He doesn't have favorites. You don't have to get the right formula for Jesus to come into your life and work wonders in you. It's just who he is. And it's so encouraging to hear stories like that. And um, this whole series on Go and Make is about the role we have to play in uh, carrying our faith and sharing Jesus with people. And that we have this extraordinary privilege of carrying this hope the Bible describes Jesus as the hope of the nations, carrying this hope to people, because people are desperate for him. They might not know that that's what they're desperate for, but we really believe that Jesus is the God of all hope, and that he comes into people's lives to heal and to restore. And you know, we've got this role of sharing our faith, and we kind of like know this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know, man, I'm a, kind of had this responsibility or this, uh, been tasked with sharing my faith. And for a lot of us, we can find that a little bit intimidating. Anyone? It's like, yeah, I know I need to do this thing, but it's kind of hard. And, and there's different groups of people. I think you get that group who, like, they're just coy. You know those oaks? Like, they will share Jesus, they're just coy. And you're like, yo, I wish I could be like that. And then you look at them, and you're like, no, it's because they're extroverts. You know? Like, maybe Bones, easy. He's talking all the time anyway. Just if what, 10% or 1% of his words are Jesus, people are getting saved all the time, right? So it's easy for them. But, like, for me, I'm not, like, wired that way. I can't just share like that. And sometimes you get a little bit envious of those people. Anyone like that? You look at those people who share, and you're like, oh, I wish I could be like that. And then the Bible says, do not covet your neighbor's gift of extroversion. And also because Jesus loves introverts too, and he wants to use introverts. And I actually count myself not in that group. Like, I'm more in the group, generally speaking, that I want to share my faith, but I find it a little bit difficult, or I find it a little bit intimidating, or I don't always know how. Anyone in that group? It's like you want to share your faith, but you don't always know how. Um, and I think a lot of us find ourselves in that place. And you don't want to be that weird Christian, right, who, who is just trying to, like, get Jesus into the conversation somehow. Like someone goes, like, like yo, I really like some water. You're like, water? Jesus walked in water. <laughs> uh, let me tell you about water. It's like it doesn't really fit in that conversation. You just get him in there. And then you're like, no, I was just saying I was thirsty. That's good because Jesus said, come to me, all who are thirsty. So he's the water of life, and you thirsty is this perfect. You want to get saved, and you're like, oof, like I just want to drink a water, you know. Um, and so, like, like you, you, you kind of like you want to be like a weird Christian who's trying too hard, uh, and so you want it to be a little bit more natural. And hopefully today, that's where we're going to go. And and, and this tools God's given us and equipping Jesus has given us to be with us. And then there's other group of Christians who I think, and this is very rare actually. I think that they they just they don't feel the necessity or they just don't feel like they want to share their faith. And if you're in that group, I think there's a few things that could be going on. Number one, you're not born again because that's a reality. Like when Jesus Christ comes and he finds you and he changes you, you want to tell people. Like how, how many people here get excited just to tell their friends about like some deal they got at like Checkers or Willie's? 
like a two-for-one deal. Or like I go to clicks, there's a three, buy two, get one free deal. They say three for two. It's like buy two, get one free. I'm like telling people, I got pumpkin seeds, <laughs> special. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm a little bit of an advocate for like F&B e-bucks. Anyone knows me? I'm an advocate for F&B e-bucks, okay? If anyone's from F&B here, contact me. <laughs> I'm not cheap, but I'll help you make money. Um, because it's like, people are like, yeah, but banks, I was like, I get a thousand rands worth of e-bucks from my bank every month. My bank pays me a thousand rand to bank with them every month. And they're like, yeah, but you've got to get to like, they've got five levels. And if you're on level five, it's like, I can tell you how to get onto level five. Like, I'll help you. You know, like that guy with Discovery Vitality, help you up. I do that for e-bucks, okay? And what's amazing is then like you go to clicks for the three for two special, but because now they've got a partnership with e-bucks, I get 15% of my click spend back on e-bucks. And then I go to Engine and they also give me 15% of my spend back on e-bucks, but I can swipe my clicks card at Engine so I get clicks points and e-bucks and I'm like, woo, e-bucks for the win. <laughs> and if that's how excited I am about e-bucks, imagine Jesus. He saves us of our sins. He washes them away. He makes us brand new. And His mercies are new every morning. He's with us always. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's working all things for the good of those who are called according to His purposes. That's you and me, baby. High five. <laughs> Jesus. And you don't even have to work hard to get to level five e-bucks. He already, He gets you there. He qualifies you for the highest level of spiritual e-bucks straight off the bat. Boom. Because it's all free in Jesus. So seriously, like so many of us, we get excited about things. And when I know good news, I want to share it. And Jesus is the best news I've ever had. And so what I'm going to speak to you today is just two factors that will help you share your faith in a natural way. Number one is that you need to live hope because hope is attractive and contagious. And number two, you're called to be a witness. And I want to define what it means that you're a witness and what Sense you're a witness. So let's talk about the first one, live hope. Hope is a deeply attractive quality to people. Everyone's looking for hope. You know, in the recent American elections, I'm going to go there. <laughs> Checks. I'm fearless. Some oaks are crying because they need hope, and some oaks were crying because they wanted hope, and the guys that are now, were happy are now crying. And now, but someone needs hope. And they're looking for hope, and Jesus is the hope, because presidents come and go, but Jesus is on the throne forever. He works all things according to his will and his purpose. There's always a rich environment for the gospel and the people of God to thrive. And, you know, all these things are going on, but we have a sure hope, a steadfast hope in Jesus Christ. You carry hope. You're supposed to be a billboard to hope. 1 Peter 3, 13 to 16. Now, who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good, if you're eager to share your hope, the joy of Jesus? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So even if you try and share your hope and people get mad, you get rewarded by God. That's not a bad deal. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. If someone asks you about your hope, 
as a believer, always be ready to explain it. That sentence is what I'm going to focus in on here, and it's really got two focal points. Number one, there's a presumption or the assumption. I don't know what really the difference is, so some linguistic expert can come and explain it to me after the service, but there's an assumption that you have hope. And of course, the assumption is right. If you know Jesus Christ, if you're born again, then you have hope because you've met the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's washed away your sins. Even if you can't point to anything else, the fact that he's transferred you from the kingdom of darkness and a lost eternity into the the kingdom of the son of his love and a sure uh, eternity with him forever and ever and ever, that's good news enough. But then the, the more you get to know Jesus, the more reason he gives you to hope. Like... Jesus has washed away our sin. Do you remember what it was like before you knew Jesus? Do you remember what it was like? And I remember just like this deep sense of like, is this all there is to life? And I met Jesus and it's like, no, it's not. There's a whole bunch more. And the joy of being absolutely washed clean by him and made new by him. The second thing that it assumes is that we get ready to explain hope. And that's going to bring us into the witness section, but we get ready to explain the reason we have hope. You see, hope causes us to do good. That's why it starts in that text. You know, always be ready to do good, and if people threaten you, then just keep doing it. Hope causes us to do good. You know, when Estelle and Pete walked into uh, Kelly's home, you know why they went there that, that night? Because they had hope that Jesus can intervene. If they didn't have hope, they wouldn't have gone. Or maybe they would have come to be a good Christian. And then they would have got there and they would have told them what happened. And you know what? If they had no hope that Jesus can change their situation, you know what they would have done? They would have commiserated with them. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is terrible. I, can, I know how you're feeling. Your things are bad with COVID and lockdown. And so often that's what we do, and we think that it's a good kind of spiritual thing to have empathy. Empathy is crucial, but people don't just need empathy or commiseration. They need hope, and you carry it. You know why Estelle prayed for them, and they preached the gospel to them? Because they believed Jesus Christ. They had hope Jesus Christ can enter into the situation and change it in a night. That's why we do what we do. See, hope causes us to act. And so our job is to cultivate hope in our lives. And then it says, don't worry or be afraid of their threats, but don't worry or be afraid. Worry and fear wage war against your hope. And if you didn't notice, or if you didn't realize, you're in a spiritual battle. And on one side is hope and the hope of Jesus, and the other side is worry and fear. That is fighting a war for your heart for hope. Why? Because if that worry and fear can nullify your hope, you'll stop giving it to other people. And if you're in this space where you're like, oh man, I've been fighting for hope. You know what? Now, don't feel guilty. You know what's going on. And Jesus Christ is the Lord of victory and he's equipped us for the battle. And you know, okay, now I've got to fight for hope. How do we fight for hope? Well, I don't know about your story, but my story is like this. I met Jesus Christ as a 16-year-old. 
And as a 16-year-old, though I'd been raised in the church, I did my best to walk away from God, but he came after me, and he found me, and he saved me, and he washed away my sin. Not only did he do that, but he set me free of my behavior, the things I was doing that was destroying my life. He set me free. He made me new. He gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit, the same gift. Getting goosebumps, man. I'm preaching myself happy this morning. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ the dead came to live in my life. I had no sense of calling or destiny or what I wanted to do with my life. And Jesus called me to ministry and he gave me a gift and he gave direction to my whole life. He gave me a wife. She's hot. She's beautiful inside and out. She's so different from me, but I need it. And she's such a great calibration for my life. And, she's, and God's blessed me with a son, and he's provided for me a hundred different ways. And I'll be absolutely honest with you. There are things in my life right now, there are pain points in my life today that I live with on a daily basis. There are things that Jesus hasn't yet redeemed that I'm waiting for him to work in. But I get to choose what I focus on. And I don't look at my present, and I don't look at my future, and I don't look at God through the lens of what Jesus Christ hasn't done. I look at my present, and I look at my future through the lens of everything Jesus has done over my life. You see, right now in, in uh, the last, this year, like, there's been a little bit going on, and my wife and I have been in the place where we've really had to trust God for finances, like a lot of people. At the beginning of this year, I made a decision to step off full-time employment here, to stay involved and preach and teach, and to give myself to training in corporates, which is a really good idea when people gathered in corporates to get trained. But then this small thing called COVID happened, and then that all stopped. So like, I've had like a really relaxing year, but not because like I chose it. Like I, I've had so much time on my hands. And there have been moments when it's been quite stressful. My wife and I have looked at each other and said, we don't know how we've got money in the bank, but we do. And Jesus said, give me my bread for today. Not for like today and the next three months and the whole plan for the rest of my life today. So today we've got bread. So woo. And you know, I've had such an amazing year because I've had so much time to think. I mean, how many people can say in their late 30s they had almost a full calendar year? I mean, I had a bit of work here and there and doing stuff, but just to be with my family and to think and pray and to rest and to enjoy God and to go spear fishing in the middle of the week, and I'm just like, Jesus, thank you. It's been a phenomenal gift. I've had a fantastic year. Fantastic. And yes, there have been moments, because I don't always get it right, there have been moments I have been stressed, and I've gone, Jesus. Because I've got to be honest about that, because what happens is like God's given me the gift of teaching and preaching, and I can teach and pre preach the, the Christian life better than I can live it. So there are moments when I've like gone, Jesus, help. Or I've had to phone people and say, I need prayer because I'm struggling in this space. But when I'm in that space, I always know where to go because, yes, I'm in this place of fear and anxiety, but there's the God of all hope and the Prince of Peace. And as I run to him, he restores the balance in my soul. And I live in the joy of who he is, mostly. Because <laughs> sometimes we, get, we feel bad. Because we're struggling, which is really doff. Because now you're struggling, and now you're struggling because you're struggling. And then you're struggling because you're struggling. It's a vicious cycle. Just stop that nonsense. Go to Jesus. Get your hope back. 
But the reality is it, it wasn't the first time my wife and I have faced these situations. When we were both uh, single and we lived in Jerusalem, both of us, there were times when, when we didn't have money to pay rent or we didn't have money to come on a plane and fly home and God provided for us. It was a time my wife, God told her she needed to go to England and she arrived at an airport in England without no, at Heathrow without no idea where she was going to go and sleep that night. And she went and God provided for her and she got this amazing place to stay in Oxford for free. And then we were in Jerusalem and the times when, as I said, God told us to give away rent money sometimes and people would give it back. And then we got married and we didn't have any money to get married and God provided then. And then God's given us two cars and then God's provided us numerous occasions for us financially to, to fly home and see Teresa's family. And again and again and again, he's provided. So why would I think that this will be any different? You see, we fight for hope by remembering what Jesus has done for us. And if you're born again, Jesus has done something for you. He's washed away your sin. The second thing is that we're a witness. And we're a witness to this hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so again and again and again, there's verses about the fact that we're called to be witnesses for Jesus. And I'm going to read to you first from Luke chapter 24. And he, that's Jesus, said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah, that's himself, would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins to all who repent. That's the basic premise of the gospel of Jesus. Then he says, You are witnesses of all these things. You see, Jesus picked people that could witness this stuff, could see Jesus dying on the cross, rising from the dead, so that they could be his witnesses and to share that. And he says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. The Holy Spirit gets involved in helping us and giving us the power to witness. You know what a witness is? Most people understand this because we've watched the TV and there's always those courtroom documentaries where there's a court scene where the witness comes forward to testify to what they've seen or what they've heard or what they've experienced. So let's say, for example, there was a pastor, just a random pastor in our city, uh, who shot a defenseless animal. Say like a pastor who grew up in Zimbabwe on a game farm, for example. Not anyone in particular, just like randomly. Like if this was a case, and there was a court case to determine whether or not a pastor actually shot and killed a defenseless animal. Now say I was there, and I, and I saw a, a pastor, I don't know who he could be, um, <laughs> shooting and Then they'd ask you, where were you standing? I'd say, I was standing here, he was over there. Okay, were you close enough to know it was him? Yeah, no, I definitely knew it was him. Did you see him aim the rifle? Yes. How far away was he from the animal? I don't know, maybe 500 meters. And then, did you, did you shoot it? I was like, well, he, it went bang and the animal fell down. So, yes, he shot it. You know, that's what they ask me. What have you seen? What have you experienced? You know what they don't do? They don't come and say, okay, but what was the ballistic coefficient of that particular rifle given the altitude and humidity of the air? <laughs> and what was the wind 
You know, what was his, his, his mill dot holder over for wind and drop? And the, does, they don't ask me all that stuff. That's an expert witness. If they want someone to explain all that stuff of ballistics, they get an expert witness to come and explain it. But they ask the person who saw it, what did you see? And so many people, they think they need to be an expert witness for Jesus, not just a witness for Jesus. You don't need to be an expert witness for Jesus. You don't need to have a degree in theology. It's like, I don't understand my Bible enough. That's fine. We're not asking you to be an expert witness. What has Jesus done for you? That's what you're called to witness to. And if they come to you and they ask you these questions, you know, like, but what about evolution and science? How can you prove that God exists? You're like, I don't know. But I can tell you, the way my life was headed, and then I, I, I heard about Jesus, and I gave my life to him, and he came and he changed me, and I can tell you how my life is now. But what about miracles? Do you really think miracles can happen? You know, what about science and all this stuff? You're like, I don't know about all of that stuff and the, the philosophical argument about that, but I can tell you about a time, my wife and I, we were both praying for a car at the same time. We are having a little family prayer meeting. We were praying for a car at the same time. And then all of a sudden, I said, babes. She is. She's a babe. I said, babes, I see a car. And she said, I see a car too. I was like, yo, I think it's like a hatchback. It looks, it's, like, it's a hatchback too. It's white. Yes, it's also white. And we both drew the same car and we looked and we saw the same thing at the same time. And that car hadn't even been released to the market yet. And six months later, it was released. And a little bit after that, someone came and said, we want to buy you this car, brand new, out the box. See, I don't know about evolution and science and all this stuff, but I know I was there praying in my lounge when Jesus did that. That's my story. What's your story? But what about moral determinism and the illusion of free will? Can, can God hold us uh, responsible for our actions if we don't really choose them? I don't know about all of that stuff, but I know that I chose to, to ignore Jesus because I thought he was going to kill joy, but he chased after me and he loved me. And the more I choose him, the more I heal. The more I choose, God set me free of depression. He set me free of so many wonderful things, of insecurity and, and trying to prove myself. That's what I can tell you about. I don't know all the philosophical arguments of that. If you want an expert witness, go to Google. Type in answers, Christian answers to Moral determinism and illusion of free will. You will find something. But me, I'm a witness. This is who Jesus is to me. This is what he's done for me. Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, there he is again, comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Were the uh, uh, disciples or the apostles, were they witnesses in Jerusalem? Is that rhetorical? Yep. Were they witnesses in Judea? Yes. Samaria? Yes. To the ends of the earth? No. Like because they ran out of time, right? Like they died along the way. They didn't get to Durban. And Durban's a part, like it literally is pretty much the end of the earth before bottom of Africa. So who do you think Jesus meant to be the witnesses in Durban? He saw a group of disciples gathered in churches all over the city, called to be witnesses to what Jesus Christ has done for them. You're that witness. Last verse, Acts 5.32. We are 
Let's say it all together. Witnesses. Witnesses. Oh, one more time. One more. We are Witnesses. of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. You know, in the book of Acts, again and again and again, followers of Jesus are called witnesses of Jesus. And then he says, and so is the Holy Spirit. You know, if anyone here grew up watching WWF wrestling? Oh, it's my brother. Okay, so, say Bones. Bones, can you just stand up for us, please? Say Bones and, Bones and I got into a wrestling match. Who do you think would win? Oh, Bones. Obviously, look at him. He's like, he's like at least 1.1 my size. 10% bigger than me. I'm joking. He's quite a bit bigger than me. But now, say it was a tag team fight. And on my side was, I don't know, like the heavyweight champion, John Jones, the heavyweight middleweight champion of MMA. Say he's on my side. Or maybe like, I don't know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was on my side. Then all of a sudden, I'm like super confident. I'm like, I'm taking you. All my job is, so I'm, I'm part of this thing, and then I tag, and he gets in and then he sorts it out. When you get involved with witnessing, your tag team partner is the Holy Spirit. Hey, tag, you're it. Ross told the story when he opened this series about how when he went to Vosti in... Um, in Maritzburg, and he climbed into a taxi to go to Rez or whatever, and this guy climbed in the car and preached the gospel, and he said, and that conversation hounded him until he got saved. Who do you think was hounding him? The Holy Spirit. You see, the guy in the cab gave him something, the Holy Spirit, something to work with. He tagged the Holy Spirit, and then Holy Spirit's in there. There was a time when I was uh, sharing the witnessing to a bunch of my friends, and I asked the one guy straight out one night, who we was standing together in the driveway, I said, uh, do you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? And he was like fumbling around. He said, no, no, no. And a few weeks later, we had this conversation. He said, you know, that whole night I couldn't sleep. Because I asked him one question. Do you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? And the Holy Spirit was like, tag, I'm in there. Woo! I can work with that. See, I don't have to be a perfect tag team partner. I just got to give him something to work with. Tag, you're it. And what we, we, we work with is we, we carry hope that people want. And we've got stories. We are personal witnesses. This is what Jesus has done in my life. And that tags the Holy Spirit into this person's life. And he isn't separated by time or like, he doesn't have to, he's with them all the time. What do we do? Here's what we do. Number one, we live in relationship with Jesus Christ. Enjoy Jesus. He's the God of all hope. And as you do that, hope builds in your life. Number two, pray. God, use me to be a witness for you. And I, I want you to challenge some people today to pray a scary prayer. Like, Jesus, I want to witness with one person this week. I'm asking you that I get to witness to one person this week. Anyone up for praying a prayer like that? Just one. And then you're there and you're praying, you're trusting Jesus, and you're like, is this the person? Okay, not this person. Okay. And then suddenly God opens the door and you get to witness, you get to share something of Jesus with someone. And then after that, after you've witnessed, 
Keep praying for that person. You know, they did research on people that came to faith. 95, over 95% of cases, there were two things in common. Number one, someone witnessed to them, and number two, someone was praying for them. Prayer is powerful. It changes things. You guys keen for a little faith challenge? Father, I thank you so much that we get to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, that we have a story to tell, that Jesus Christ has worked in our lives. And Father, I pray that we fight for hope because people are desperate for it and we know him by name. His name is Jesus. And I pray, Father God, so much boldness and courage. I thank you that the gift of your spirit is given to us, that we may be witnesses, that we may have power to witness. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you so much. It's been awesome being with you. Go grab a coffee, stick around. Thank you.